Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. Sometimes to get motivated to get out and move, you need a little inspiration. My guests today are inspiring people to develop and maintain healthy activities throughout the year, no matter the weather. My first guest is Heather Helser, owner and coach of Turnigan Training, who founded the virtual race across Alaska Winter Challenge. The three-month challenge starts in the darkest days of winter and offers different Alaska routes of different lengths that can be completed by participating in many types of activities. The race across Alaska is also a fundraiser for Alaska Trails. The second half of the show, I'll chat with Amy Bouchotts, the host of the podcast, Humans Outside. Amy challenges everyone to get outside every day for at least 20 minutes of continuous movement. Her podcasts feature guests who will inspire you to your own challenges. Keep listening for more on Outdoor Explorer. Welcome to Outdoor Explorer, Heather. Hey, thanks for having me, Lisa. Well, the theme of this show is um, get up and move or get out and move. I haven't decided yet what the theme is, but we'll settle on something. Um, But because there are going to be two guests today, and um, you're both going to tell different things that you're doing to get people up and active, which is really exciting, especially during the pandemic times and winter in Alaska, of course. Um, but before we start all that, why don't you um, just tell us the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So my name is Heather Helzer. Uh, I live in Anchorage, Alaska. I um, am a triathlon coach, race director, and uh, also put on kids. I'm a kids camp director. Um, and my passion is triathlon, but, uh, prior to being a triathlon coach, I was a physical education teacher, uh, for seven years. And so truly my passion is just getting people active and moving and living a healthy lifestyle. And you actually had a contract out in Bethel, right? Dillingham. Yeah. In Dillingham. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I taught for the Dillingham uh, City School District for five years as an adapted physical education Mm -hmm. teacher. So working with kids with disabilities, that's what I did in the Anchorage School District um, was adapted physical education. And so what made you decide to go out on your own and become a coach and and not have a regular paycheck? (laughs) Yeah, so um, when I had my son, the Anchorage School District was unwilling to allow me to go part-time and I truly wanted to be a mom first, teacher second. And so I quit my teaching job, which was really terrifying. Um, and, but I truly, as an adapted physical education teacher, teaching at eight schools in the Anchorage School District, I didn't even have time to eat lunch. So I knew that uh, breastfeeding was just not going to be in the cards. So I, I recognized that. And um, my husband said, all right, start your dream. I had just, um, while I was pregnant, I got certified as a USA triathlon coach. And so we just kept the ball rolling. Um, from there, I got um, youth and junior elite nationally certified for the USA triathlon and became certified race director for USA triathlon. Um, and just put my hands in all the things, kids and triathlon, and really just focused on um, my passion for being a phys ed teacher on this sport that I love the most. And just so our audience knows, you and I have traveled outside a couple of times together for continuing education credits for USA Triathlon and um, have had a blast. And I can attest to how much energy you have. (laughs) I think the first time we went, your son um, was, 
you didn't have your daughter yet. You just had your son and you were still nursing him. And, um, I was just amazed at your energy. We had a really good time. I think that that was like my first time out of state. Right. Um, I've gone to Dillingham and yeah, I, I, I remember that it was time to leave the teaching world when I got on the flight for a teaching job, one of my teaching contracts in Dillingham. And I just cried on the entire plane ride. Um, but our time, the next trip was with you. Um, we went to Boise for a national, um, conference and it was so fun and it was great. So, um, yeah, it's good to get some outside sources on knowledge and to really continue building. Um, so yeah, I'm thankful to have you Lisa as a mentor in triathlon as well. You've really brought some knowledge and background history to, uh, Alaska, um, but also been such an inspiration to me as a triathlon coach. So oh, really thanks. <laughs> well, we've had fun together. I've really appreciated having you too. So, um, so you competed in college in triathlon, right? I competed, uh, side, uh, initially I, w- I had a full scholarship to college for golf. Um, oh, that's right. Division Forever. one through Long Island university and the track coach track and tra- cross country running coach heard that I was running the Brooklyn bridge twice a day and, uh, offered to pay the rest of my college, um, my room and board so that I would run. And so I ran throughout college, but right once I, uh, right prior to entering college, I was on the youth and junior elite triathlon team. I was on USA triathlons first ever youth and junior elite triathlon program based out of Boston, Massachusetts. And it was just so cool. Um, to get that opportunity. And, uh, several of my teammates went to the Olympics. So it was pretty, pretty cool, um, to get that opportunity to train with them and to go to a couple of triathlon camps. And that's really ultimately what I wanted for Alaska was to have that opportunity. When I first started turning in training, um, I used to tell people, oh yeah, turning in training is all about, uh, it's, a." triathlon it meets it's apu in junior winter so alaska winter stars meets triathlon think of it like that um, yeah that's so exactly that, what it is yeah so that that was my easy way because those guys have already made such an impact on our elite uh junior elite um standards that like the alaskans understood that best mm-hmm. that way when you went to college was was triathlon an emerging sport yet no, okay. no. So the emerging sport started, uh, I think the tourniquet training has been, uh, it's been six years and they, uh, this year's, uh, USA triathlon's fifth year of getting, it. and they just did. I don't know if you heard that just like three weeks ago, they finally got their 40th college. So they'll be able to apply for NCAA status as a true NCAA, tra- um, sport. So wow, this is just really they, exciting to see how yeah, fast so, triathlon has come through. Yeah, so they like, they still have to request it and whatever. It's just like one of the layers. Um, so no guarantees, but I think that they've made some huge progress. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, when you first started turning in training too, I want to talk about the kids a little bit before we get into, um, the race across Alaska, um, there was a, um, the Eagle River triathlon had a big kids yeah. triathlon. Yeah. And, um, I think that they're not offering it this year. And, um, but you, you have definitely like, like increased the exposure, uh, for kids to triathlon because that was really their only thing they could do. 
um, you know, was that race. And now you have all these different races that kids can do and camps. Yeah, I truly hope that they get their bearings this year uh, as an in-person race and they recognize that that is still a need. Like just because Trinigan training is putting on kids stuff does not mean that it's still not a need. Like they're truly, it broke my heart. It broke mm-hmm. my heart to see that. Um, and that was never my intention was to come in and to take over. Um, I truly everything that I did in the triathlon world was truly recognizing where the gaps were and where we could build on that program. And so I, I look forward to revisiting that conversation with the race directors in the future and hopefully getting it going. Um, uh, let's see, um, Colleen Albright uh, with um, Trailside Elementary reached out to me directly this past weekend about helping with trailside triathlon. And like, if that's what needs to happen to continue getting the programs going, heck yeah. Like I will race direct those races and I won't take a single penny just to see that it happens. Cause I can't do it all. I can't, I can't do it all. Um, but um, it's been so cool. The spring duathlon series is a run bike run series. Um, and the focus is on kids. Um, if the kids races start first, the adults are last, which is different than most models, right? Most races are like the kid, the adults race is the main race. And then the kids is just like the after fill, like while the adults are racing or whatever. And it's like smaller. Whereas my races is like the kids duathlon races is the highlight of the race. And it's so cute. Um, so we have a, our little kid wave is four to six years old. And then our big wave is nine to 12 years old. Um, and then we have an, uh, 13 years through adult race. Um, and the 13 through 17 year olds do a shorter race distance. It's more appropriate for them. Um, yeah, the 13 to 17 year olds could do the same distance, but it's just not necessary when you're 13 to 17, you need to go fast and short and kill it and not do an Ironman. Like it's not necessary. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then we do a splash and dash in the summertime, which is so fun. Um, uh, we have pizza and ice cream at the finish line with sprinkles. It's so fun. The kids love it and they get all of our races. The kids get swag and they get a medal. It's a lot of positive energy. Um, this year we're adding a DJ to all of our races in the past. We've just in home like speakers, you know, and so we're going to try to make it more of a big atmosphere for those kids to make them have that full experience. Um, so the Splash and Dash is a swim run race series at Service High School. Um, we've shortened the swim specifically because since COVID, kids haven't had the opportunity to get in the pools, to get swim lessons, to get that confidence that they used to have prior to COVID where kids were like doing a lot more swimming things in our community. It's, there's just a lot of barriers I've recognized. So our short distance swim is a 50 yard swim down and back in the pool. They get out. And they run one lap of Randy's loop, which is 0.75 miles. The older kids or even a younger kid that's confident in a like competitive swimmer can do what we call the puffins race. The puffins race is a 300 yard swim. And then they get out and they have to do two laps of the run. So they do 1.5 miles. So that's for a kid that is more competitive, looking to push themselves harder. But truly all of our races are about just positive energy, like we have super competitive kids that are doing the shorter sea otters race, but they're just trucking, you know, they're just mm-hmm. kicking butt. And so that's really, that's really what it's all about. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like whatever lights the fire in them to want to do more 
and to feel inspired to like successful. What, what is the philosophy about kids and like race times and places and awards and things like that? I mean, I'm sure it's age specific at some point, you know, as kids become more competitive and more fit, you know, you might have like extensive awards and everything, but with the really little kids, do they just get a participation award or do you do standings or or what? That's a good question. So all of our races, all of our races, they get a participation medal once they finish the, when they cross the finish line. Um, but our races are really geared towards the series because we really want kids to like be committed to participation, to like really give the sport a try, not just do one race. So the duathlons, there's three races, the splash and dash, there's three races. They're all on Tuesday nights. It's every other Tuesday night. The duathlons is at Kincaid, the splash and dash is at service. Um, and, um, the top three in each age bracket um, get an award for the duathlons. The uh, top three get teddy bears uh, and they're teddy bears with uh, custom t-shirts that have the race logo on their, the teddy bears t-shirts. They're super cute. Um, my kids haven't received one yet because I'm making them do it the right way and they <laughs> want it bad. And then uh, the splash and dashes, they, uh, the top three get custom uh, bath towels um, that have the splash and dash uh, podium uh, winner on their towel. So all the kids love that. And mm-hmm. they get googly eyes when they see other kids in the transition area with their special towels. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's super cool. Um, and our, our award brackets are really small because that's really what it's about. Like we want to give the awards to as many kids as they can. So um, the top three overall in each race series get a big prize, a bigger prize than that. Um, that's usually focused um, from our sponsors, but this, um, the age group awards are like four to six years old. And then uh, I'm sorry, four to five years old. Cause we've got such a small bracket now. Cause some yeah. of the kids are interested uh, six to seven, um, seven to eight, eight to nine. So like they're just two year increments to, to get as many awards out. It's all about mm-hmm. just having kids feel the success um, to want to, you know, participate, you know, because when you get to our ages, right, it's like 10 year increments and like, right. you're pretty lucky. Five, get five years, five years. <laughs> well, it depends on the race, right? It well, so race. USAT race, it has to be five years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, like um, the Equinox, for example, it's a uh, 10 year increments and if oh, you're right. in the top 10 overall, you still can go into the age group. And so likely they just get all this. Yeah. Money, you know? Running so races haven't felt the complete influence of triathlon yet, which <laughs> I, that's what I love about triathlon. It's the, you know, five-year increments through the oldest age group. So if you have one 85 year old, you better have an 85 to 89 year old age group, you know? Yeah. So I, that's what I love about it. You know, it's really mm-hmm. inclusive. And the other great thing about triathlon is it's just, those are three things you can do your whole life to enjoy being outside and, you know, keeping fit and and meeting friends. It's all about meeting friends and the community and everything. So we're going to move in on that onto the race across Alaska, because I think this is what the race across Alaska is a lot of like, you've built a community in this. Um, and it's, um, doing those things we all love to do during the winter and the summer. Um, so, um, tell us a little bit, you know, how you started the race across Alaska, how you got the idea and then what it entails. 
Yeah. So uh, the race across Alaska is a three month winter challenge. It starts the first day of winter, December 22nd, and it goes till uh, March 20th. So coming up uh, very soon. Uh, and it's uh, three months. You can do uh, the recorded options are you can run, bike, swim, cross country, ski, um, or walk walking, hiking. Um, and then this year we added even a custom option so that if you wanted to record, uh, like we had an awesome guy that lived in Valdez that was stand up paddle boarding in the middle of the winter and he wanted oh, to record whoa. it, like, okay, <laughs> you know, and we had a lot of people that wanted to record kick sledding and ice skating. And so we added that custom option this year. So really it's about just living your life, but feeling, um, the motivation to do more than you would typically do. So, um, giving everybody the why to exercise in those winter months. Um, and, uh, I started the race across Alaska because I recognize this lull in the winter time in the race community, unless you're looking to do a hundred mile bike race or running race. Um, there's not many options for you. Um, there's not many options for you. Um, and not everybody is into going for a 5k run in the freezing cold. And so, um, so really giving everybody the opportunity to still find that motivation to exercise in the winter. Um, and, um, through having things like our Facebook page, which is incredibly engaging, um, and positive, um, everybody's still getting that motivation and energy that they're seeking, but it's through three months. So it's so amazed by that Facebook page, by the way, and everything that you do, all the, you know, Facebook live events that you do and the interviews. I mean, it's, it's really great. Thank you. Thank you. It's been so fun. It really fills my bucket as a race director. I, I couldn't be more proud of it and more, happy for all of the achievements and like inspiration that I've brought to so many people. Like, it's so cool. It's so cool to see. And, um, I love that I figured out the, the hole in the, in the schedule, like what Alaskans needed. Like, I feel like it's filling everybody's bucket in their exercise world and in their mental health world, but also it's adding value to things that are already present, right? Like, people are doing so many people did like the, um, like the little Sue because they, they were exercising for the whole winter. So then they like felt like fit enough to do that race. Right. Or, um, they're signing up for skinny Ravens races because they're coming out of winter, like extra fit. And so they're like, Oh, skinny Ravens got this, you know, cabin fever 5k. Like I could do that, you know? So I think that it's going to fill so many other people's, um, um, opportunities, um, in the exercise world too. So, and I'm confident to say that it's helped, um, the fitness clubs, um, cause people are getting in and they're, they're, they're using their bikes more and they're, mm-hmm. you know, seeking out swim lessons because they've seen other triath or other athletes on the race across Alaska page doing things like that. And they're like, Oh, well, I can do that too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, when people go out and do things, you have like mile markers across the state, right? Like a trail across the state, basically. Yeah. So, um, yep. So we have mile posts or what they called, uh, what they're called, just like the mile post book you would buy to move when you move to Alaska. Right. Um, 
And um, so for every race, they have at least eight mile posts um, and their virtual badges that they get. So as they, as they make their way from the Anchorage to Seward race, which is 125 miles, as they make their way to Anchorage, you know, they'll get a badge in, at the Girdwood intersection. They'll get a badge at the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center, the Hope Junction, you know. And so they get these cool little virtual batches on their um, online is this, profile. Is the start, everyone starts in Seward or are there sections you can do? Or? Uh, yeah, there's, so there's different distances. Um, so there's six different distances. 125 miles is Anchorage to Seward. Um, 225 is Anchorage to Homer. 350 is Anchorage to Fairbanks. 500 doesn't actually start in Anchorage. That's the Alaska Long Trail, which is our uh, featured our featured trail for the race across Alaska. Um, where this race across Alaska is a fundraiser for the Alaska Trails, and so that race goes Seward to Fairbanks because that's where their trail, the Anchorage Long Trail, will start is in Seward. So. The 850 miles is Anchorage to Dead Horse, and the 2,000 mile race doesn't start in Anchorage. It's uh, it's Ketchikan. It's Ketchikan to I'm saying this right, right? Ketchikan <laughs> to Dead Horse is the 2,000 mile race. Whoa. This year we had 88 people, 88 people signed up, and we have. I'm not positive on the number right now, but I'm positive that we have at least 40 people have finished 2000 miles. You're kidding me. Which is crazy. <laughs> this, 22 miles a day. You have to acquire a minimum of 22 miles a day for the entire 90 days of winter, which is wow. so cool. So the race across Alaska really brings a huge range of athletes from um, the walker that's just looking to get out and walk 1.4 miles a day for the entire winter to, um, and that would athlete would typically wouldn't be somebody that's super competitive, but it could also be a swimmer, which a swimmer doing 1.4 miles a day would be super competitive. Um, to the 2000 mile race, which is typically a cyclist would be like the kind of athlete. So, um, yeah, it just brings a huge variety of people. Super Mm -hmm. cool. You don't have to, you don't have to pick a a type of locomotion though, right? You can just, you can do a combination of stuff. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about the race across Alaska is like, you're able to live your life. You're able to do whatever your heart desires, but you just have to do something for the Mm -hmm. three months of winter. Like you just need to acquire miles every day, like, or you're going to be behind Um, a hundred percent. Like it's healthy and important to take an off day, to take a rest day. You're going to burn out and get injured. Um, but just recognize that that off day just means that tomorrow you got to do double, right? Right. Or maybe on your off day, you just go for a nice walk. Yeah, totally. And that can totally. count towards it, right? Completely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've logged several 0.4 mile dog walks and toddler walks for sure. Mm-hmm. And th- that, that counts, right? So is it um, like, you know, this is always kind of when you do a virtual race, um, when you're logging things that has to be intentional, like it can't be like, oh, I walked around shopping today. <laughs> right? Yeah. So a lot of us were struggling through all that hard snowfall this year. We're like, dang, can't we log shoveling? And that's oh, the big yeah. catch. That's the big catch with the race across Alaska. Like you do you is what I simply reply to a lot of people. Like if you feel like shoveling is your exercise and that's something that challenges you, then you should log it. Mm-hmm. But if you recognize that you would needed to shovel either way and that 
that that didn't really meet your bucket of fitness for that day, then please don't log it. Right. Like, so it really depends on where the athlete is. Um, and, and that's really the gray that I think is important because it allows people to live right and to recognize what fitness means to them. Um, and I, I, as a instructor, don't want to judge you on what that means. Like I want you to recognize, um, what your goal is right for the three months of winter. And there, it's not like there's any like performance awards on this or anything. No, it's just nope. your, it's your own personal. I made it to this, this milepost. Right. Yeah, correct. Yep. So we give out these really cool bottle opener medals. It doesn't have a lanyard on it because nobody's going to wear their medal when they're finished. Um, so I, uh, I wanted people to have a bottle opener that they could keep in their, in their, you know, they could put on the refrigerator if they wanted to add a magnet to it, or they could put it, you know, in their kitchen drawer. Um, so they could open a bottle of root beer and celebrate their finish at the finish line. Um, but, uh, on the back of the medal, it has the distance of what you've completed. So, um, so many racers have signed up for like the 350 mile race and they have made it to the 850 mile race, wow. which is crazy. It's yeah. so cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And you have people from all over the United States, the world yeah. maybe. Yeah. Have- yeah. So we yeah. have, um, yep. We have four countries involved and then on top of the, uh, four countries, um, it's the United Kingdom, uh, Belgium, uh, Canada, Por- Puerto Rico are the oh, countries. Okay. And then we have 49 states. The only state we didn't ever get a participant was Rhode Island. Uh, that's okay. We're going to get, we're coming for you, Rhode Island next that's year. That's so funny. Uh, I, I think per- Puerto Rico is, is not a country. It's a territory of the territory. United States. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, and then, uh, and then we have so many communities in Alaska. Um, we have over 50, uh, like communities in the state of Alaska. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah. And then we get more rural Alaska communities involved next year that, yeah. And so there were over 2000 people signed up for this. Yes. Right? 2014 racers. We had signed up. We have collected $41,000 for the Alaska long trails for donations, we are so excited to see how that's going to impact the Alaska Long Trail this year. And we just can't wait to continue that supporting just, them. Yes, that just absolutely blows me away. So that 41000 is people donated above the entry fee for the race, right? Correct. For that every is race. just great. Yeah. So every racer that signed up, we donate $10 of their registration fee goes directly to the Alaska Long Trail. Okay. And then in addition, um, there was... $20,300 have been wow. donated from participates in an addition. Okay. So it was partially from their, their entry fee, partially a donation on top of that. Correct. That is yeah. just so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Heather. I mean, I think you've done such a fantastic job with the virtual race across Alaska and it, it helps one of my favorite nonprofits, Alaska trails. So that's very exciting. I just love the Alaska long trail and I hope I'm alive when it's completed. <laughs> yes. I feel the same way. Yes. I yeah. can't wait to see the long trail and to be able to have pride to know that I put a shovel in the ground and helping like make it happen in some mm-hmm. way. And, um, I can't wait to see what the race across Alaska's impact is next year. We continue mm-hmm. to keep it going next year and all the things we do. Um, we're very happy to say that COVID did not kill us and, uh, it made us stronger. So yeah. thanks for, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share it with everybody. 
Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me today, Heather. Okay, Lisa. Have a good day. You are listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. I've been talking with Heather Helser, the founder of the Virtual Race Across Alaska Winter Challenge. We are going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll hear from Amy Bouchotts, host of the podcast, Humans Outside. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes store, or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. In the second half of today's show, I'll be talking with Amy Bouchotts, host of the podcast, Humans Outside. Welcome to Outdoor Explorer, Amy. Lisa, thank you so much for having me. And I have to say, one of the first shows I ever heard when we moved to Alaska in 2016 was Outdoor Explorer. And I was driving down the Glen, listening to it and thought, these are my people. I have, oh. I have arrived where I'm going to live. <laughs> and that was when Charles was the host, right? It was, yeah. And it was an episode on a person who rides a unicycle on trails. And oh, it yeah. blew my mind. Yeah, people do lots of weird things up here, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where did you move from? So we had been living in Clarksville, Tennessee, where my husband was stationed with the active duty U.S. Army. And we had never, ever been to Alaska. We'd never even thought really about moving to Alaska. But he had decided that he wanted to get out of the active duty Army to really address some challenges that he was experiencing as a result of injuries from serving in Afghanistan. And we looked around the country at places we could live that would offer us more access to the outdoors, but also where he could work on a degree program for outdoor and environmental education, which of course, Alaska Pacific University offers. And so we really landed on living in Palmer, where the extension campus is for APU as a result of that. Mm -hmm. and, and where did you grow up? So I'm from a beach in California, Santa oh. Cruz, California. Oh, yes. One of my favorite much. places. <laughs> well, it's great. That's why. But it's pretty much the opposite of living in Palmer. Yeah, it is. California <laughs> this month. It's a good time to go to California, too. Uh, I love California. It's like my second favorite state after Alaska. So Fair enough. Even, it, it even is ahead of Hawaii for me. So Hawaii's third. <laughs> uh, so uh, you came up and, and you have kids, right? Small kids. And they're probably bigger now, obviously, than they were in 2016. <laughs> but your idea was that you were just like really looking for an outdoor connection. We were really looking for an outdoor connection, which as anyone listening to this knows is a very common story among Alaskans. They come, we come here, if you're not born here, looking for an outdoor connection, looking for that next great adventure. And Alaska certainly offers that. My kids at the time were a lot younger. They're 
13 and 10 today. Um, and they had grown up so far doing some limited tent camping in Tennessee and sort of that Southern US temperature. Uh, but they, I mean, obviously they had never been to Alaska either. And when we packed my family in the station wagon and moved up here sight unseen after already buying a house here in Palmer, that was their new adventure too. You know, we both, I have this memory of camping off of the highway, not far from the border, not far from Toke, I, I believe, although the whole trail at the, or the whole trip at this point blends together, you know, as it, as it does when you drive through Canada. Oh yeah. And um, encountering my first Arctic tundra and, and my family and I standing there poking at it with our feet. Like, what is this squish? What is this? <laughs> it was just blowing our minds. This, what is on the ground? Why is it so squishy? I took a bunch of pictures of it. It was, it was boggling. <laughs> that, that is like, so I guess refreshing in a way, cause I was born here. Cause that to me, like is the standard. That's what you always get when you go outside is that foggy caribou moss and, and tundra and, and no trees. So although it's changed a lot, but, um, trees are farther up the mountain for sure than they used to be. Um, so then we, so, so your husband was in school and he also has some, does he have some sort of program that he works with vets? Um, yeah. So, you know, since that time and pretty much as a result of working on that degree program through APU, he's actually started a veteran nonprofit called Remedy Alpine. Uh, Anchorage area folks might see them around hiking and and whatnot. They do single day adventures or overnight experiences with other veterans in the primarily the Anchorage area. So think Crow Pass or they do Wednesday morning climb up Baldy. And really that is an extension of, as I said, that environmental education program to enrich veterans' lives, including his own life, through outdoor experiences and, and therapeutic recreation. I remember years ago going to a film festival at Beartooth, and it was one of the short films was about a group that took um, some Oh, I can't, they had to be from the very beginning of the Afghanistan war, but they were all like, they had all lost at least one limb. Um, and they took this group down the Grand Canyon. And I just remember like how powerful that was for these guys. It was all men. There might've been one woman, but just, it was so powerful for them to be outside. Um, I mean, it was kind of core to all of them. Cause obviously when you're in the military, you spend a lot of time outside. Um, right. but it was just like this amazing journey for them. I mean, I cried during that movie. It was amazing. As anyone who spends time outside recreating in this area knows, or, or in any area knows, there's a connection that you feel to being in nature as a human, which is the, you know, the point and the, what my podcast humans outside is predicated on that as well, that when you're outside in nature, you are experiencing benefits that you can't even really put into words or understand all of what is happening to your brain, to your body, to your emotions just by that interaction with nature. We all intuitively know that it's true, which is why we want to do more of it, because when something feels good, you want to go back. So veterans, of course, experience that as well. And when you've experienced 
experienced a lot of trauma, as many, many veterans, though not all of them have, but many veterans have, there is a connection and a solitude, which of course is not the same as isolation, that get that you get by being in nature and experiencing the awe of being in the mountains or of a conquering a challenge or of crossing the you know the river on crow or something along those lines and and that is something you experience with other people who are in that moment too and with remedy alpine and other veteran groups like it the impact of that of those other people is that you all have similar past experiences as well so you're contextualizing what you're doing right now by understanding what you've done in the past in the context of that group so you started this podcast humans outside which is basically that whole philosophy isn't it yes yes it is and i really started that after i personally started to experiencing experience this power of spending time outside. So, you know, we moved up here, as I said, sight unseen. I'm like green as, <laughs> as anything in terms of coming and understanding what it's the experiences of being in Alaska, like so many other people who move up here, anyone who's ever tackled their first Alaskan winter ever can relate. And anyone who's ever watched somebody tackle their first Alaska winter can also relate to what that's like. And so we moved up here and I just didn't know how to handle it. I thought I did. Of course, everyone does. And I thought I was doing okay until the light started to come back after that first year and you realize, oh, hey, maybe I didn't feel so good, which is, of course, I think something we're all realizing right now as March is our favorite time because, yep. gosh, it's so bright and beautiful and the snow is reflecting that sunlight maybe I felt bad in the dark. Huh? Weird. Okay. So that started to happen and it was Memorial day weekend in 2017. Now, I don't know if you remember the summer of 2017, it rained a lot, at least um, here in the Valley. It was, I, I don't was remember wet. that. <laughs> it was, I wet. remember the last couple of winters or summers have not been as great as they were like 10 years previous, but it was still warmer than it's normally been. So, yeah. And, and I was told, I, you know, I didn't have context for this, but I was told that 2017 was a, was a pretty rainy, mm -hmm. rainy sort of year. So on one of those fine rainy summer days, I was sitting on my back porch, bundled up thinking, my God, what do I have to do to get some sunshine here? And I realized that if I was going to benefit from moving here. And if I was going to get what I wanted out of living in Alaska, I was going to have to stop waiting for Alaska to change me because that's not how Alaska works, right? That's right. We all yep. know that. You got I it. I was going to have to change myself. And so the way I decided I, the best way for me to do that was to set up a little personal challenge, if you will, to get outside every day, no matter what. So to many Alaskans, this might seem like, I'm sorry, you had to like have a challenge to go outside. What's wrong with you? But I I would, I would counter that with in the middle of winter, there's probably days that we all avoid going outside, especially here in the valley where it can be extremely windy and unpleasant. You know, we joke that you get free sandblasting on your face in January because the wind just comes through here. You don't even have to have a windstorm for this to happen and blows all of that sand and rock. And now you're exfoliated. Yep. Right. So <laughs> you had a lot of that this winter too. We had a lot of that this winter too. So 
independent of having that standard and habit for myself of going outside every day, no matter what, there were days that I just wasn't. And so I thought, you know, what better time than the summer to develop this habit? And then also what happens if I carry it out for a full year? And so I sort of, I used the summer just to set the groundwork. And then in September, 2017, I started my one year experiment. What would happen if I went outside every single day for a year. So I think we can all guess that it was great and I haven't stopped. So that was more than four years ago. I still have that habit, but what the podcast talks about is the experience of that and why other people outside of Alaska, but also in Alaska should consider one, consider this habit for themselves, but two, why and how. Um, and I talk to experts and I talk to um, people who have done this and I, or, you know, even unintentionally who have researched this, who have built a life around this, who have a special a skill set or a special background to talk about their own experience doing this and share their advice with listeners. And I've actually had several guests on who you've had as well on Outdoor Explorer. Yeah. I've noticed that we've had like some similar people. Yeah. So, yeah. um, or uh, the Keegan, same people or the same people, Ke- <laughs> yeah. Keegan Randall's come on, uh, uh-huh. Carol Sevalu, who, uh, oh. is an Alaskan native runner who tackled the resurrection pass trail and, and does this with it, with the tracheotomy, uh, right. Max Romy, all of these are, you know, just three people who I've also had on, on my podcast, who outdoor explorer listeners may have heard from on this show. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if you haven't listened to those episodes, you can go back and do that, of course, on the, on the podcast, on the outdoor explorer. And Lisa, your interviews with all three of those people repeat interviews, if I'm not mistaken, are great. Thank you. <laughs> um, actually, it's, it's funny because Max, um, I was teasing him in the fall. Like he was like in the fall, he was became my all time most interviewed person. <laughs> but um, now Lee Hart with Alaska Outdoor Alliance is like neck and neck with him. So I think I've had her on three times or she's shown up on the show three times and and Max has been on the show three times. Um uh, yeah, but, and then, then I just saw that, I think, is it this week, the podcast has a Barrington twins or. Yeah. So I've actually had, so that's actually a repeat from last okay. year. I interviewed them last year uh, and then reran the episode, of course, in honor yeah. of Iditarod and, and they're still out there at the time you and I are speaking. They're still, right. they're still racing. So we don't know how they finish, but of course they will. But they're, uh, oh, they're looking at breaking into the top 20, both of them maybe yeah. this year. Yeah. It's so, pretty, it's pretty exciting. And they were so fun to interview. Yeah, uh, so I bet. fun to interview. So um, yeah, so uh, I've got Alaskans on there as well, because of course, outside folks are really interested in, in the experience of living here. But I think more so than that, as people who live here, especially someone like the Barrington twins or like Carol or Max or you who have lived here an extremely long time compared to someone like me, you have a experience to share that is valuable in terms of of breadth of things, but one of those being your understanding of the power of nature, which is of course, all that humans outside is talking about. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about some of the lessons that you've learned on your streak. Okay. So, I mean, gosh, they are deep and wide, but some of my favorites are that I have learned to love where I live. I'm like a one woman Palmer Chamber of Commerce now because (laughs) I love living in Palmer so much. But the reason I love living in Palmer is because I spend so much time outside in the community. Because when I started doing this, I started looking for outdoor activities to do 
around me, which led me to all of Palmer's myriad of festivals. <laughs> if you've ever come to Palmer on a summer day, you know, these people, they love a festival. And so they've got street fairs and all sorts of stuff all summer long. It led me to go to my weekly um, outdoor run group uh, that goes from downtown Palmer and does a three to five mile loop, depends on, on what you're interested in. Of course, you can go shorter than that every Monday evening at 6 p.m. from our shoe store, Active Souls. And they go, it's the, called the Happy Run. And it is a group of people who are literally out there every Monday all year round. Wow. And uh, in fact, the first time they ever skipped a happy run was for the pandemic. Oh, uh, wow. It was like the first time ever. <laughs> and so, uh, and so that is, you know, that's something that I discovered because of that. And, and guess what, when you start doing community activities, not only do you learn to like where you live, if you didn't like it before, which I thought Palmer was great before, but boy, do I like it a lot more now. You meet people in your community. So now you have some new friends. So that's the next thing I have learned. I've made best friends, lifelong friends. Well, people I, I assume will be lifelong friends because I don't have intention of moving away from here anytime soon uh, because of that. And they are people who have introduced me to new experiences and new perspectives. They've broadened who I am able to be. Um, and they've shown me new act outdoor activities. Because of them, I got tricked or slash wanted to uh, become an ultra runner. Who can say? <laughs> Who can say in the background of that? It's but just kind of a natural progression. It's really. a thing. <laughs> you know, when you hang out with people who do crazy things, you find yourself doing those same crazy things because all of a sudden they don't sound so crazy. That's right. And and so because of this group of people, I tackled the Resurrection Pass 100 mile race last year. I did not end up finishing it. I've made it about 70 miles, which Ooh. if anyone's done that, um, that would be the Devil's Pass parking lot. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like the last point you can bail before if you head back out, then you're going for the hundred, right? Yeah, that would be the, that would be the second place and last place that you can bail. There are yeah. very limited opportunities <laughs> for that. So I did. I, I sort of limped into there. I'm not embarrassed to say crying um, after being out all night. The wheels just sort of came off the bus. But, and that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. Wow, it, was that's a, it. it was also the first time in my life I've ever stayed up all night long, which oh, I know wow. is crazy, but there you go. So did you see uh, any wildlife? No wildlife. Wow. Well, okay. I definitely thought that I saw eyeballs in the woods at some time, but I I don't know. Might've been hallucinating at that yeah, point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the big thing. I think on that, like you're out there all by yourself and you're having to move at a time when the animals are moving, you know, yeah. so your chance yeah. of seeing them is higher. I, I think I actually did see a porcupine now that I'm, now that I'm remembering <laughs> it. Um, but I was convinced that there were like eyeballs and I don't think there actually were any. Eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm impressed. I've never gone that far. You know, so, and I've been running all my life. Yeah, so, well, good job. you know, I actually, what the, what planted the seed was talking to Carol Sepalu, mm -hmm. who, who you had interviewed about her experience of doing Resurrection Pass. And then, and then I talked to her about going outside and also touched on that. And I was just so inspired by her story of doing that, that I decided, you know what, I like, I got to try this too. Mm -hmm. And so out there I went and uh, I'm gonna, planning to do the 50 mile version this year, mostly because I training for a 100 mile race is, is a lot. So. Yeah, that's like you're lucky you're still married, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or that my kids haven't disowned me, even though they rely on me to feed them. Somehow I think they might. <laughs> so when you first came here, what kind of activities did you do? Because I know that you have done 
because this question obviously leads to tell me about all the new things that you have done besides ultra running. Yeah, so many things. So my favorite like parade of new activities was actually at the Becoming an Outdoor Woman retreat, which is run by the Department of Fish and Game. And it typically is this time of year in March, although they are not holding it this year. And because of still pandemic concerns, Mm -hmm. they slid it right, like right under the needle there in 2020. But you go there, it's very difficult to get into because so many people want to go. It's very affordable. It's up at Victory Bible Camp. It's where they hold it up in Glacier view and you go up there and they have classes of any outdoor thing you could possibly imagine and i i learned how to do chainsawing i tried mushing you know not this like go on jay bear and pave to ride on the back of someone else's dog sled stuff like they actually teach you to do it over this you know to some extent over this afternoon i did skinning and hide prep which i had never even contemplated ever doing uh it was an inside class to be clear but it is an outsourced sort of a outside sort of activity. Um, And so, I mean, those are just three sort of things that I never even considered ever uh, before moving here. But then other things are like ice climbing, cross-country skiing. Um, I snowshoe run, have have snowshoed run. I um, downhill ski now at Alyeska, which I am on actual, you know, record is saying I will never ever ski so that's new um, oh wow wow you didn't learn to downhill ski in Santa Cruz huh no no you did not and then what you should not do and god bless my husband he's probably going to be listening to this but mm-hmm. is let your husband teach you to ski and let him tell you he'll teach you to stop on the way down the hill uh, and so I have this like philosophy. It's just never a good idea for one partner to teach another partner something. No. He's a great instructor of everyone except for me. It yep. might have something to do with the student who can say, yeah, so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, you know, the end, it's just endless activities because Alaska is like that. Mm-hmm. that. If you want to do something or want to explore a outdoor activity, you can, you just, it takes a will and a way. Uh, and I know that's, a, that's a place of privilege to be able to say that one, we live in Alaska, so we can say that. And two, I have the means and the time to make that happen for myself. Um, and not everybody has that opportunity, but it is an opportunity rich environment for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so when, um, our society starts to fall apart, you're going to know how to go out and get a moose and skin it and use the hide and eat the food. I mean, and- I took a clue. <laughs> I'm not going to go so far as to say that I should be the person you call. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll put somebody else on my list then. <laughs> I, I haven't even, I've never heard of this class before. I think it's so great. You should have them at the risk of having more applicants and me not being able to go again. (laughs) You should absolutely have them on an episode to talk about their programming because they also offer uh, shooting sports instructions, hunter safety classes, fur sewing, all sorts of really, really interesting, very Alaska things that are, um, you know, maybe skills you'd, I mean, I certainly never would have tried otherwise. And this, you said this was fish and game puts us on. So it's yeah. a state program. Yeah. This, the state of Alaska. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> I just think that's so cool. I've never heard of it. And, and growing up here, there are things like I've never, I never been hunting. I've been fishing maybe once or twice. I mean, I've never been into that stuff, but you know, as you do look for new things to do to keep yourself interested, you know, that sounds like a really cool thing to do. Well, that's the, isn't that the thing? Because 
what having a habit does like this intentionality, right? I'm going to go outside every single day for a certain amount of time, no matter what, come hell or high water. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking for stuff to do because while I most certainly could go for a walk or a ski as the season may be in the uh, colony high um, cross country course, which is near my house every single day, I totally could do that. Uh, that's probably going to get a little boring. And so I'm going to look for other stuff to do because that's what humans do. And Mm -hmm. so in that intentionality, I am going to therefore discover new things to try. And if you're somebody who does not like trying new things, which I would have described myself as that I like to, I like patterns. I order the same thing at restaurants. I tend to wear the same four favorite shirts. I mean, that's just, that's what I do. You know, I, I pick a sport and stick with it. If you're somebody who does not like trying new things, going outside and encountering new things is the perfect on-ramp for that. Um, you know, actually it was Max who who told me that outdoor the nature is going to present endless opportunities to find creativity because what you see out there is always going to be new and fresh and it's going to expand beyond what you could have imagined you would find. Mm-hmm. And so the more you go outside, the more you intentionally spend time in nature noticing, you are going to discover that your capacity for liking new things or encountering new things is going to expand over time with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's great. Uh, Max is like an old soul, isn't he? He has all these wise things he always says. <laughs> so you have kind of um, uh, taken that outside challenge, which I think when I read on your website, it's defined as something that's intentional for 20 minutes, continuous. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I picked 20 minutes because there's research that lands on that as being a pretty good amount of time for seeing actual benefits from going outside. If you're going to bother, you should have some sort of scientifically proven results. uh, And that's, that's a time period that allows for that. I will say as an aside that the other reason I picked 20 minutes is that if you you have to spend, say, 10 minutes finding your mittens and five minutes putting on enough layers in the wintertime to go outside. You should probably spend more time than that outside. So yeah. <laughs> do you have everything lined up, ready to go when you, do, when you know you have a day that's like, I can only get outside for 20 minutes, but I have like my go-to kit that I can oh, just, yeah. Yeah. well, just like a runner, you know, you got, you have an hour run and 55 minutes to get it done. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That totally (laughs) happens. You have your kit lined up here today after we talk, I'm going to go out to government peak and go for a, for a ski. And I am 100% already wearing the pants that I'm going to do wear for that. Isn't that a great thing about Alaska? Like you can show up in that stuff, you know, nobody's going to look at you sideways. You can show up at almost anything. If you know that you're going outside afterwards and what you're going to wear outside and everybody's like, Oh, whatever. You're at a fancy dinner. Who cares? You know, you're going to go outside and do something epic. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you have kind of like, um, uh, made this, you haven't kind of, you have made this humans outside challenge and it has, um, like three different levels on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this might, again, this might seem silly to people who, for whom going outside is second nature or who feel like that, that might be them. But a lot of people that doesn't, 
really describe them. They have a hard right. time understanding the concept of making themselves do something like this every day. And that's especially true when the weather gets bad and the free sandblasting I mentioned earlier <laughs> becomes a part of your possibilities. So what the Humans Outside 365 Challenge is designed to do is to give you that little bit of an extra boost. And so you sign up, you register for this, and for the price of the registration, you can um, receive help and tips and um, assistance throughout the year. But also people kind of like a prize sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I know I do. We were joking before we started recording about our metal racks. That's right. Yeah. Various races, right? <laughs> and, and I mean, who doesn't like a medal after yeah. a race? And so one of the things that one of these challenges comes with is a medal for complete, completing this 365 days of this, which again, for some people may sound like nothing, but for a lot of other people is an actual challenge. That is mm -hmm. a really hard thing to create that kind of habit, especially when spending time in nature is not how you have thought about yourself in the past. Mm -hmm. it, it, that just made me think about, um, you know, oh, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, everybody was making fun of kids sports for getting kids participation trophies or whatever. And it's like, now thinking about it, it's like, well, what's the big deal? These got these kids made it through a whole season, they should get something to acknowledge that they stuck with a sport, even if they didn't get first place in a tournament. And I think, that's kind of, um, we put all that emphasis on winning and that it's only worthy if you win. And that's just not the case. There's, there's a journey in whatever activity you do. And that's what, what makes it valuable. Not that you win something. I mean, not in terms of like winning first place. Right. That's why I think it's really great to acknowledge that yeah. the work that you've done through a medal or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, when, when somebody like, when someone like me crosses the finish line at why not try, or when you do the gold nugget triathlon mm -hmm. or, you know, any of these um, races or events that are really designed to be entry level, you know, on ramps to experiencing a new sport, mm -hmm. you do it and you get a medal at the end and you do feel like you won because gosh, darn it. You got to the finish line. That's right. You trained for it and you you did the thing and you do deserve a medal. And it's the same sort of thought pattern that yeah. if you can make yourself do something every day for a year, that's a big deal. And you should get a medal. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today, Amy. It's just been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's show. Thanks to my guests, Heather Helser and Amy Bouchotts. You can find pictures and links to both Heather and Amy on the Outdoor Explorer page at alaskapublic.org. The show is produced by Eric Bork. My name is Lisa Keller, and from all of our hosts here at Outdoor Explorer, thanks for listening and we'll see you outside. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, The Man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. 
To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life Informed. This is Alaska Public Media.